everyone to uh, yeah part two of this uh, risk series uh, that we organized together with uh, Netcetera. Um, my name is Rogier and I am the CEO of uh, PCN. Uh, for those of you who don't know, PCN is a headhunting agency focused on the on the fintech space. Um, and with me today are uh, Vlado and uh, Devald, Vlado from Netcetera and Devald from Intersex. Uh, welcome, guys. Hi. Hey. Great to have you. Um, yeah, maybe to start uh, with, uh, with a round of introductions for those of you who, uh, who don't know uh, you guys or are just keen to hear uh, a bit more about you or again hear about you. Uh, Devald, would you mind giving a bit of an introduction to yourself and uh, maybe Intersect as well? Sure. Uh, thank you, Rohir. So uh, great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, the name is uh, Devald Nolte or Devald Nolte, uh, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, uh, Co-founder and Chief Strategy Officer for Intersect, so overseeing our our commercial organization, uh, Intersect being a strong device identity and authentication company. Um, so we are really focused on making sure that, you know, we strike that balance between uh, security and user experience. That's really what we what we focus on and uh, with a really, really big focus on authenticating payments without friction. Great. So right. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, uh, great to have you. You're calling in from Atlanta, right? Yes, Atlanta in the US, that's uh, where I'm based. Lovely. Uh, great, Vlado, over to you. Well, pleasure being here. Thanks for the invites. Um, and it's always a very cool um, opportunity to speak to, to industry experts like uh, Devot. And we have a really cool um, cooperation and relationship. We'll, we'll share that a bit uh, later. Um, my name is Vlado Galevsky. I am um, sales uh, and the global sales director for Netcetra um, based out of Vienna. So one of our uh, hubs uh, in the group. Uh, Netcetra is a Swiss company doing software uh, business for the or software excellence for the past 25 years uh, in the enterprise segment and in as well the, the payment um, um, industry we have been so uh, more specifically, um, uh, tackling the topic of authentication, authorization, and uh, digital payments, meaning that we um, address all the elements and components that are um, that you see basically in the whole payment flow throughout uh, authentication, authorization, and uh, as well other components within the, the director service, or other components within um, uh, the three domains of payments. Um, yeah, looking forward to the, to the cool discussion. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, well, you, you just mentioned it. It's obviously a really cool cooperation between uh, you guys and, and Intersect. Would you mind sharing a bit more? What does that cooperation look like? Why did you guys decide to work together? How will you complement to each other? And yeah, what's uh, the, 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 the forces of these power going to, uh, going to mean? Absolutely. No, I think, um, you know, Intersect is one of our um, oldest and most trusted partners and the cooperation began as um, usual cooperations begin in uh, in the tech world with uh, uh, co let's say utilizing the, the different uh, product component components between uh, two companies in order to, to bring more value to the end customer but then again we saw that there is uh, an opportunity to do even more business together meaning that we went into the direction of actually uh, reselling and uh, referring each other's business 
So we are currently doing that um, in a lot of regions around the world, and so we are planning to do even more in the future in uh, in some additional um, uh, territories like uh, the US and LATAM. Um, we believe that Intersect is uh, one of the um, companies and, and let's say uh, an anchor point which brings a lot of value in the payment industry, in the payment world, um, not only with their absolute um, kind of expertise for the topics, but as well with, with their um, the way the way of doing things so we are really happy with this cooperation we're looking forward to as well doing more with them. right all right okay so it's, it's not just the services and the products they offer but definitely also the ways of work that you feel are very much in line with the way that you uh at netcentra approach the business yes great Deval, do you feel the same yeah no look i think it's it's been a great partnership as, as flora mentioned uh you know it started i think in 2015 we we kind of joined forces right so it's been it's been going for quite some time and it's it's you know our, our services has really been complementary right we've we've uh, uh, we've got expertise we've found it in the in the industry right if you want to win uh, it you know you have to be focused on, on what you do well and and so in that case we really uh, focus on what we do well right in this uh, as I mentioned earlier we are really experts in strong device identity authentication so uh, that's a core capability that we have and that of course in the e-commerce space and in the payment space, and etc being a very strong provider of services in the payment space right uh ranging from digital payments products to e-commerce acs uh you know uh, on both the acquiring and the, and the issuing side and so uh, our authentication advice identity uh solutions plugged into that very well right and so it, it complements each other very well in that way and uh, we're always, always looking for that one plus one equals three partnerships and we really believe that and have seen that this is one of those and so it's been a great run with etc and as Flado mentioned we're we're as we run together we're really uh, finding more places to to um to work together and certainly the us and latin at the moment seem to be areas where we're seeing a lot of opportunity and recent successes great well let's talk a bit more about uh, i guess those, those opportunities um across the globe but definitely specifically in uh, us and in uh, in LATAM. Um, yeah, in, in um, episode one of the RISC series, we talked about the payment trends in, in 2021. Um, and I'm curious to hear uh, what the payment trends you see coming in 2022. I mean, in 2021, what we discussed on the on the first episode was uh, that uh, hybrid, hybrid retail experiences were be very much becoming the norm. Of course, back then, uh, we were, it sounds long, so long ago, I wish it was. Um, in the middle of the Corona, so there was a lot of uh, buy online and then pick up in the store kind of situations. Mm. Um, there was also um, con uh, consumers continuing to favor the uh, card not present transactions over the card present transactions because most of it was obviously done online. So um, that was really interesting. But maybe the world from your perspective, you look at 2022, what sort of the payment trends that you are seeing at the moment or, or see coming up? Yeah, no, thanks. I think, look, it's a, it's a really interesting time at the moment, right? I think there are so many changes kind of happening. Sometimes it's a bit uh, difficult to, 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 to see the, the big picture. But what we're definitely seeing as a, as a big trend at the moment, uh, you know, I, I always try to see the overarching kind of theme and uh, a theme that we are kind of seeing in all the regions and in the U.S., uh, Latin specifically, uh, definitely being one that's 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 very prevalent, uh, is the the theme of payments modernization, right? So where you're kind of 
upgrading your payments rails from some of the more legacy uh, rails into more modern rails, right? There's so many new uh, payment methods and alternative payment methods kind of coming uh, into the space. And in order to be able to do that, you really have to, to have uh, modern payment rails that actually enable that. And so you're seeing a, a big global really shift towards that as your digital consumers uh, and digital services are really exploding. You need the payment rails to really support that. And so what you're seeing is things like, you know, real-time payments, right? That's faster payments initiatives around the world. Uh, you know, that's, you, you can look at most countries, there's some initiative either that has been done or is planned or they're busy doing it, right? Uh, upgrading their payment rails for real-time payments. That's something that we're seeing um, that kind of happens. And as you look at your your, your real-time payment rails that, that enables you to really kind of move money, uh, you know, uh, at, at real-time or near real-time, uh, that's that's a, a really key capability to, to, to kind of get uh, digital payments and enable that. Uh, and as, at the same time, uh, where that's typically more focused on your on your uh, you know account-based payments, your your real-time payment rails, uh, you're also seeing uh, your um, your e-commerce rails that have to be have to be upgraded, right? And of course, with with digital payments being such a big new trend, um, things like moving from you know three secure one to three secure two, MD three secure being uh, upgrading those those e-commerce rails, right? There and a lot of those uh, initiatives kind of happening. So you typically see three trends running in parallel. The first one being a faster payments initiative to upgrade those payments rails for real-time or near real-time payments. A second one, an upgrade of the e-commerce payment rails uh, to three secure or EMB three secure, uh, so three secure two. Um, and then the last one being open banking that then kind of leverages those rails to really open up the market. So you typically see those three trends running together. And if you look at the US market, certainly you'll see that all of them are very much alive and kicking and very topical at the moment. Yeah, is it uh, because you guys do business across the globe? Is it more so or equally so in the US compared to Latin America or compared to Europe, for example, or do you see different priorities being in different markets? I, I definitely say there, you know, different markets are uh, have different priorities. If I think Europe with with PSD two was was quite a leading uh, figure, you know, when it comes to 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 open banking and and uh, the framework for for more secure, I guess, remote commerce, right? Uh, which they've got a fantastic way of framing that a good framework that's that's been used for that. But it's certainly uh, put into place and it certainly kicked off a global trend. And so. If you look at at open banking, if you look at those those frameworks, certainly Europe is 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 leading that effort, and the rest of the world is looking to that and learning from that. So if you look at some of the initiatives in Brazil at the moment, right, which is uh, busy at the moment with their uh, open banking rollout, right, they, they, there there's a lot of movement in that space at the moment. You'll see that the the models that are being used, for example. Uh, it's the same framework that that was used for PSD2. It's very close to it, right? So uh, definitely a a a different, I'd say, uh, priorities or, or or stages in terms of where the different regions are. Uh, with with Europe kind of leading, and now the US and Brazil and these the Latin markets kind of following. So Mexico, for example, also uh, big initiatives there. So all these markets kind of following onto. Uh, from those uh, trends that, that that kind of kicked off in the European region. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Flau, I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well on 
America's in Latin America, maybe first because you guys are such specialists in the PhD2 field uh, also in Europe, right? If you look at, well, I, I guess this question can be split up into one, what kind of payment trends do you see evolving in 2022? Uh, and is part of that PSD2, is there a next step beyond PSD2 that you already see evolving in, in as a payment trend this year? Well, I think that the whole, um, if we take a look at a bit at uh, the last two years, it was quite clear that the explosion of, of uh, uh, e-commerce was uh, very much mandated by the the kind of the, the situation or the, the environment that we were all in. And I think that uh, everything which that brought um, was as well kind of mandated by the situation. So I think that the entire uh, industry was very much reacting to the circumstances of, uh, of COVID and, uh, and all the trends that we had were kind of as well following these lines. Um, in regards of 2022, I think this is the first year where we will see a bit of normalization. So just to be very clear, I think that the increase or the push, the, the, the forced digitalization of the payments industry in general, which was made, is not going to uh, go back. So that means that the increase in, 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 um, in uh, uh, let's say, contactless payment, in, in digital payments as well, even in traditional markets like Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, I think that once you uh, experience the convenience of payments in-store as well uh, as e-commerce with different payment rails that are available, that you will not go back to kind of the traditional methods. On the other side, I very well think that um, this whole omni-channel hybrid experience, which uh, we spoke about, is going to, going to be the trend coming up in, in the second half of 2022, but even further. And if we take a look at this, uh, since kind of we are normalizing or we are uh, um, living in a, in a more normal uh, or trying to live in a more normal world, I think that this is um, uh, to be observed as well. And if you take a look at the global um, uh, payment trends where you see the most forefront of these omnichannel experiences is the US, right? So if you already have shops which, uh, which are in a test phase uh, omnichannel ready and uh, where you see the the lines between these um, between e-commerce and uh, and post payment are already blurred so i really think that um, offering a unified payment experience which is hidden under the boards and is not visible to the to the common user is uh, the way to go now um you know i i fully agree with what they all said at the beginning in regards of 3ds um I don't think, you know, PSD2 was a, um, um, a lever in Europe, but that doesn't mean that uh, US or Asia or the other regions and markets are not 3DS markets. They are not, they are simply not driven by a regulatory lever, which, which is called PSD2. But I can tell you that I've had many conversations with uh, regulators coming out of even uh, Russia and out of South, uh, Southern America. and all of, of, of uh, those conversations kind of ended up in the conclusion that a PSD2 type um, of regulation is as well needed or is kind of enforced on the market. So even if you take a look at, and I'm really fascinated by, by actually the introduction of 3DS2 as opposed to 3DS1, because it is, uh, in my view, the single most um, transformative uh, global um, solution that was brought to improve several things. So 3ds1 had one stupid simple task, 
uh, 3ds2 has a variety of other things that it's trying to improve like decreasing of friction bringing the whole uh, standard to the mobile device and so on so i think that we will see um kind of uh, a further improvement or a further uh, deployment of 3ds2 in in other markets as well if we take a look at uh, US and LATAM, it's uh, very different, especially LATAM, the deployment of 3DS is quite advanced, but uh, there the lever is not PSD2, there the lever is risk. And uh, uh, I think that this is kind of giving you a bit of different flair between the markets, but in general it is pushing the, the de further deployment and development of 3DS2, uh, even in US and well, a lot of interesting stuff there. Thanks for that. There's a lot of trends that you are are seeing. So let's maybe zoom in a bit on what you said about the LEDM. So you said it's, the, the lever is there, is risk is not PSD2. Um, how is that different? What's the difference there? Because I think elements of PSD2 are also talking about risk, right? And then increasing the experience whilst uh, minimizing risk. Um, or am I wrong? Well, I think that we have one of the um... Um, very few knowledgeable uh, people in this field here with us. So, Devout, if you want, you can take sure. over this and uh, give <laughs> sure, us your yeah. No, look, I, I think the, you know, what, what's interesting and, and, and Flalo kind of called it out is that, you know, you, you, you've got um, different levers in the market. Right? I think the European market was, was, was great in the sense that it, it, it had a regulator that, that could kind of mandate to, to, to bring you know, the change that was required. And then on the back of that, there was a lot of, um, you know, innovation that came from it. I think uh, in, in the other markets, uh, it's typically other, it's typically market driven, right? And then in that term, it could be fraud related, right? So risk, there's a lot of fraud happening in, in those, in that market on the e-commerce channel, right? And so uh, being able to, uh, you know, authenticate better and, and make better risk decisions is really, really crucial in, in, in those, uh, markets right where you do have a lot of fraud and uh Flutter, you you quickly mentioned that that 3d secure one uh was very limited in the ability to actually well share data right that actually enables you to to make good risk decisioning and and so that's a, a very big improvement that something like 3d secure two brings to the table now um you can you can really bring, uh, you know, and, and pass along a lot more contextual data on a transaction that enables you to do better risk decisioning and, you know, as a result of that, uh, stop more fraud. But at the same time, it also enables you to, to um, you know, make sure that if there is a requirement, like it is a high risk transaction, that you can either stop it or you can challenge the user, right? Use something like multi-factor authentication to really challenge the user and say, hey, look, this transaction looks a bit strange. Is it really you, right? And and I think that's something that the the EMB3 Secure 2, um, uh, you know, infrastructure and, and protocol really also does well. Is it, it enables you not only to send much more data, but it also enables you to uh, to support a lot uh, more uh, advanced and, and modern authentication technologies. And why that's so important is it, it really enables you to create a good user experience because what we have seen, and this is this is quite an important point, right? Um, if you look at the United States or the US market, right? Um, 3D secure is is almost a bit of a swear word, right? And, and, and if, 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 if you look at 3D secure one, I mean, we've seen anti-patterns here, right? Where, where merchants would, would literally do uh, the 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 anti-pattern of three secure. So they'll they'll see if a card is enrolled for it, and if it is, 
they'll uh, you know they'll not do three secure, but if it isn't, then they'll they'll do it right. Um, and it's just for liability shift uh, reasons. But the 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 reason why it was such a bad experience or or why it's got such a bad name in the U.S. Uh, was because the challenging technologies, right? So how to challenge a user and how to enroll a car for three secure. There were a lot of things in in the first version that were not executed on well, and so there was a lot of um, user friction in, in introduced and as a result you saw a lot of card abandonment and so as a merchant you're looking at this and saying okay let me let me let me do this equation in my head i use 3d secure which is supposed to protect me as a merchant by giving me liability shift right so something goes wrong uh, i'm protected right that's what 3 secure allows for you uh, but at the same time if i use 3 secure the checkout experience is so bad that I lose 50% and I'm not making this up. Sometimes more than 50% of transactions were abandoned because of the poor experience. And so you literally got to a point where the merchant just said, Hey, look, there's less fraud than 50%. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's better for me not to do it in a three secure one space. Um, so all those challenges that we had in that first really clunky version, has been addressed in the, new, in, the, in the new version, right? Where now you've got a lot of data that enables you to, for example, do frictionless flows, right? So uh, you can authenticate a user by looking at the transactional data and seeing, hey, this is a low risk transaction. I don't need to challenge the user. You only need to challenge the user in the case where really this looks very strange, very dodgy. Maybe let's reach out to the user and, and, and get an authentication from them. And in those cases, the user actually really appreciates that because it installs trust. And if it was a fraudulent transaction and they were able to stop it, you know, everyone's happy and it installs even more trust. And so what we've seen there, Roger, as, which is quite interesting as well is, first of all, you can create this great user experience, right? In, in, in terms of really implementing 3 Secure Well, which, you know, we've, we've done very well with, uh, in, in partnership with, with uh, NetC. Uh, but at the same time, you can also uh, you can improve that user experience, but you can enable more trust from the consumer. And so what we've seen is that typically when we deploy our solutions to clients, we not only see that the fraud goes down, so you see the success rates improve, uh, you know, so more transactions actually going through. And at the same time, you see trust from the user starting to kind of being installed. And, and, and how can we claim that? Well, you see that the same cards start to do more transactions as a result because now i feel safe uh you know when i actually transact online and i think that's that's such an important thing and so you know you could probably tell i'm i'm, I'm getting a bit excited here just because you know i'm i'm a i really like when technology solves real world problems and in this case i really believe that this is one of those cases where it, it it's getting it right right we're actually solving real problems with this and i think that second version is really enabling that. And as a result, what you're seeing is that in the US market and in LATAM, there's a big adoption drive for that because that is being realized and recognized at the moment that, hey, this can greatly improve my life. And it actually gives me the ability to build better and more secure customer experiences. Interesting, especially that there's been basically a bad impression left from 3DS 1.0. Do you still see the impact of that in terms of modernizing the payment rails? Uh, yeah. there or not i i do and, and so as i mentioned earlier you you know i kind of alluded to that it's a bit of a swear word sometimes right and so what's what's interesting though is um so three secure one if you know three secure two is 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 
what what the new ones obviously call this MV3 Secure uh, 2.1 or 2.x, right? There, there are a number of versions. Uh, but I think the the addition of EMV to it, right? If if you think about what 3D Secure is, if you if you've got a chip card uh, in the US, right? You've got a chip, and and that's how you uh, that's how you pay, right? That's how you're being authenticated, right? Uh, so that EMV uh, chip and signature here in the US, um, that authentication standard that kind of authorizes a cardholder is how you do it in, in in person and for digital it's emv 3d secure right that's actually the digital version of cardholder authentication right and so uh, i think the moving away from maybe calling it 3d secure 2 towards emv 3d secure was a master stroke in my opinion and and certainly when you do talk about that uh it's almost like you know it's maybe a bit better right um but Definitely, there are the remnants in the market uh, around. Yeah, three secure. That's you know that's a bad thing, and so as a result of that, we're we're having to invest a little bit in market education, because it certainly is it's chalk and cheese when it comes to 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 the two. Uh, does it make your uh, entry into the US any tougher or not? I, 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 I'd say look, it's 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 been it's been it's both right. It's 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 there's opportunity. But at the same time, it's it's market education, and so it it, it requires a bit more patience and 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 you know. But definitely, I think uh, it it does it does leave the opportunity, and for that reason, we're quite excited about this market. And and certainly, uh, that is something that I think will will make it a big difference in this market. And over the next couple of years, I think there's going to be a big adoption curve for MB3 secure in this market. Certainly, seeing the signs of it. Interesting. Claudio, any other thoughts on that or you can agree? Oh, I, I can uh, only confirm what uh, Devout already said. Uh, we are very much in touch with uh, all domains and the feedback that we are getting, yes, absolutely, 3DS1 is, uh, um, was, was not perfectly executed, far from it, especially from, from some markets. And if, if we take kind of the US market as an example, um we the usual way of of this how these conversations are taking place is that the, the big uh, e-commerce players are um, interested in deploying 3ds2 because they have european operations and obviously they need to solve the ps2 topic over there and then um due to the fact that they had better experience with 3ds1 they are doing this kind of uh, because they, they have to. However, when we go into deeper discussions in regards of the new protocol and in regards what uh, or everything that this protocol can bring, not only in being compliant, but as well solving some, some fundamental conversion uh, topics like um, uh, the, the, the friction that was created by 3DS1 or, or having a, a kind of a unified payment experience, um, they are more and more interested into deploying this into the home market as well, which uh, as well is, is kind of um, helping the, this education of the market further and so on. And uh, we are as well able to have a more easier conversation. Um, I think, I think what, what is really cool about uh, EMV3DS is that it is really evolving with every new protocol, with every new protocol version. So we have uh, 3ds2 solved a lot of fundamental um, issues that 3ds1 had and actually added a lot more value than 3ds1 and then 3ds2.1 was as well a very significant evolution over 
um, it was not an incremental kind of change over the, of the protocol. So what I'm really happy about that it is a constant evolution um, and which is um, bringing as well a constant innovation in 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 this uh, in this payment uh, unified e-commerce payment experience. Well, you clearly both are very excited about this. This is good to hear. But if you if you look ahead, then is there is there opportunities for uh, 3DS um, or do you see developments going on or are developments needed when it comes to uh, kind of risk and fraud uh, or assessing and evaluating risk and and fraud within the the 3DS protocol or uh, or anything else? I mean, you know, I think that that and and Devald is the expert, the absolute expert here. So I'll I'll leave over the the final word to him on that. But uh, I think that um, what we have seen in the past five years in regards of um, the risk engines is an, is again not an incremental improvement of the smartness of the engines, but really a profound uh, change and evolution of the risk engine per se. With deploying of uh, of capability of uh, machine learning and, and AI as well in actually evaluating and using multiple data sources, which is becoming even more uh, easier when we have such a, a unified payment industry from all sides. So I think that is somewhere where um, where this evolution is, is going to go and uh, it, will, it will be obviously speed up. And if you take a look at the risk providers today, we are at a point where we have four, five, six developed, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, providers that actually offer uh, liability coverage on the merchant side. So they are so convinced into the um, payment, uh, into the risk uh, engine that they have developed, that they say, hey, if something happens, we cover the costs on that. And I think that is a very, very important message when you are in this business. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and certainly I think something to to add to that, um, you know, is is you you do have a a very uh, you know a big jump in terms of the capabilities of risk engines. But I do also I think something that's interesting about kind of where the market's going is that there's also a bit of a a different risk vector, right? In, in the sense that if you look at traditionally where e-commerce kind of happened and, and and just how you know your transactions typically flow, right? You you have with something like EMB3 Secure uh, or your, your traditional 3 Secure, that is a an instance where a merchant would effectively outsource, like delegate authentication of the cardholder's identity to the issuing bank, right? So that's kind of the that's the standard flow that's kind of out there in the market. Um, what's what's happening at the moment, uh, you know, just with with the evolution and, and with, with with digital channels and, and digital experiences kind of becoming more more prevalent. Um, is that your mega merchants, your big merchants, they want to be in a position where they control the user experience, right? Because they're saying, hey, look, we want consistent experiences. If every single issuer, for example, you know, implements authentication in a different way, then the user experience might not necessarily be great. And so that model where a merchant uh, effectively uh, outsources or delegates the authentication of a, a cardholder to the issuer has some challenges in, in, in terms of, you know, it's... Uh, uh, making it uh, work well, or, or in, in 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 the traditional sense. Uh, so, what's happened is that in, 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 uh, on the back of PSD two, for example, they also now have a new flow, which is called delegated authentication, right? And so, in this case, for example, the merchant uh, will pass proof of the fact that they have authenticated a user 
uh, you know, to the issuing bank for the issuing bank to then evaluate that and, and you know, make a risk call on that and say, hey, okay, I trust your authentication of your user and I will not challenge the user itself. And so what's happening is, as you can see that that risk, uh, you know, vector there is changing and the way that these risk engines have to evaluate data is changing. But it's such an important thing because at the end of the day, what's happening here is, you know, where the, the standard model was always merchant delegates to issuer for authentication. Now you have issuer delegating to merchant also for authentication. And, you know, that's a new kind of model that's out there. And so as an industry, we have to adapt to see, okay, how do we enable that, right, for, for that one. And then there's uh, a third one, which is kind of like in the middle, right, where the merchant is effectively in control of the uh, user experience, but the issuer actually provides in real time the token for authentication and that's called secure payment confirmation which is kind of like a, a new one and that's part of the new uh, 2.3 spec that for example is coming out right so you you see that there's also a a change in the landscape of how these things are being done and you know from a risk point of view these uh, you know what you consider for the different types of transactions are very different and these uh, you know uh, we we have much more data and 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 as a result of that you can see the two sides of the industry is also kind of working much better together. And I just, you know, what, what we're seeing in general is that as a result of that, uh, the experience for the consumer is just much better, right? Because we're always trying to kind of work together to see how can we make the experience for the consumer better? Because at the end of the day, then everyone wins. And so I think uh, that's a big trend also kind of just kind of, you know, to, to, uh, to just as, as a, as a last word to kind of put out there that there are these three kind of scenarios out there um, and and certainly risk in every single one of them plays a big part and and the the engines really have um, or, or the products that are out there really have evolved to the point where we can really limit uh, when users have to be challenged to something that's very very uh, you know the, the the very low and and and, and uh, from that point of view creates a very good user experience and trust in the system. The consumer is, mo is most times at the center, basically, in all those instances. And that's important, right? If, if you get that right, if you put the client first, right, then then you'll be successful. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, we're very passionate about. So uh, you, you uh, we really are working very hard always to see how can we make it better for the consumer. And so from that point of view, uh, you know, if you have the best experience, if you're on a digital channel and you have a digital product and your experience is the best, you will be successful. And the best experience in that space wins. And so that's really why uh, I think, you know, we're really working hard. I mean, we worked with Netcetera. We did a world first implementation in partnership with Netcetera for using Fido, right, in, in the European space as an example, right? So we're always pushing that limit together. And I think that's why it's so great to to have a partner like et cetera, that is willing to do that uh, and, and push the boundaries so that we so that we make sure that we get to the point where the, the, the customer wins. Great. No, it's great to uh, see you guys, you guys work together and uh, are uh, complementing to, uh, towards each other. And great to have you guys here both uh, to talk about the, the yeah, payment trends of 2022 uh, globally, specifically dive into a bit more US and LATAM, uh, but also the further development of the uh, of the 3DS uh, protocol and the opportunities there. Uh, Devald, thank you very much. Flado, thank you very much. And for everyone who's viewing this or has been viewing this, thank you very much.
Thank you. Thank you for Have the invite. Thank you, Thanks, Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.